0: This is Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Digiday producer, Aditi Sangal, and this week, we're bringing you sessions from our Digiday Programmatic Media Summit. Before we get to this session, I want to welcome a guest on today's show, Mark Weiss. Mark is a researcher for Digiday Plus, our exclusive membership product, where you get the Digiday magazine access to access to exclusive member events and a Slack community and a steady stream of valuable research that Mark contributes to. Hi, Mark.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: So, Correct me if I'm wrong, but a part of the research that you work on is from data you collect from the surveys we do at our summits, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, that's correct.
0: So how does that work?
1: Uh, So how it goes is I actually sit down with the reporters and the people leading these uh, events to look at what they're going to be discussing, what these industry leaders want to know more about. So then we tailor these surveys to ask the questions that address that.
0: Cool. So what are your new findings from the Programmatic Media Summit?
1: um so from programmatic we actually learned a lot about pmp's uh ad safety is really big in the industry and pmp's are kind of a way of people are addressing that so uh 97 of companies are actually increasing the programmatic sales done through a pmp so that's a pretty drastic move
0: yeah that is so uh now in today's episode we're going to hear more about programmatic from dave pond of walks media but uh, what does your research show on those funds for the industry at large?
1: Um, so our research shows that you know because all these companies are moving into PMPs, it really shows that they are trying to address things like brand safety. It also shows that publishers are trying to get back ownership of uh, visibility over the exchange and what's going on in those bids. There's been a lot of contention with uh, SSPs lately and open exchange about people maybe not getting the right bid information back. So this is a more inclusive way for publishers and buyers to kind of just sit down at the table together. And hopefully this shows the cohesion of digital advertising.
0: All right. Thanks, Mark. We leave it there. If you would like to get this research and much more to come in your inbox, please subscribe to Digiday+. It's only three ninety five dollars And for our podcast listeners, there's a discount. Enter the code PODCAST at checkout to get 10% off. To find out more, visit digiday.com and click on the Digiday+. tab on top. And now you hear from Dave Pond, director of programmatic operations at Vox Media, on what their plan is for premium programmatic.
2: Uh, hey everyone, I'm Dave Pond, director of programmatic operations at Vox Media and Concert, which is our sister company. Um, here to talk about uh, our bold bet for the programmatic future, which I'm sure is a little bit overplayed when we talk about uh, programmatic. I think we've sort of gone through the gamut of things that everybody talks about, whether it's PMPs or technology. Um, So I'm sure everybody's a little bit hungover, so I'll try to keep you awake for a little bit. Um, I'm gonna break this down into four things, and when they asked me to speak here today, I was trying to figure out what have we not talked about in the programmatic industry. We've talked about data, technology, we've talked about the most annoying words in the world, which I said I was not gonna say on stage, which is blockchain, machine learning, and AI. Um, we talked about SSPs, DSPs. Um, and I think the one thing that's missing and the one question that came to mind for me was, why are we not talking about building a brand? We've, we've sort of set up programmatic advertising to be a DR, direct response. Um, you click it, you forget it, you get your brand value, um, and then you find your ROI if you're a marketer. Um, and so we take this at Vox Media and, and through concert, we uh, we take this like very seriously, and we're talking about building brands through the channels that have been set up. Um, so the four key tenants for us are: there's a technology backbone, which is the SSPs and the DSPs and the DMPs and all the acronyms that everybody is sick of saying over and over again. That finally we understand what they mean, um, and I think. Those should be in the background of this conversation, but they're a fundamental foundational layer. We also have sales and education. We need people to go sell our brands. And as a publisher, it's very important to get digital advertising and and digital brands' names out there and the products that we can provide. Um, And then we sort of get into the higher touch and more interesting things, which I think are data and the thing that we haven't talked about yet. I haven't heard anybody really drilled down on this piece, which is the creative layer. Um, Been a a whole bunch of conferences, dinners, and it's all about data, 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 technology, technology, technology. Um, And I come from a digital background, and we've always talked about the creative and making it performant, and we haven't married those two things together. Um, So I'm just gonna walk you through sort of the steps of the foundation to the higher touch, different ways that you can execute on a programmatic buy, whether you're a brand, a marketer, you're uh, an SSP and what you should be enabling a DSP or if you're a publisher. Um, So technology is just the backbone, right? So we have a whole bunch of great partners out there who do a whole bunch of hard work. And we've been working on this for 20 years from the beginning of RTB to where we're at now. Um, And that's going to continue to go. But as a publisher or a marketer, you sort of have a voice. But don't let that be the center of the conversation. Talk about building the brand. Talk about getting your brand messaging out there. There's people who are way better at building technology than whether it's publishers or or marketers. There's people who are just good at this. They're gonna keep innovating, they're gonna keep doing things that, they're gonna keep creating acronyms um, that are gonna annoy everybody. But it's value add, right? And that's just the foundational layer. Then we have sales and education. So at Vox Media we hired our first programmatic seller about three years ago. I know a lot of other publishers have done the same thing. I would encourage anybody here to do the same thing, whether you're a client, whether you're a brand, whether you're a marketer, whether you're an SSP, everybody needs sales. And getting your sales force, whether it's the direct sales force or a programmatic sales force, to understand technology layers and how they interact with each other and what you're actually trying to do, trying to accomplish, which is get brand messaging across, is really important. And so whether that's account management, uh, subject matter experts. direct sales, getting them on board and educating them. It's a hard, I'm sure that a lot of folks in here and see some heads nodding, but you go talk to a direct seller and say, go sell programmatic, it's a hard job to get them to do that. But um, it's really important to educate them on what you're actually trying to sell. You're just trying to sell your brand through automation channels, right? And then I think here's something that we talk about a lot at Vox Media and and through Concert. The promise of programmatic advertising has always been to allow the transfer of data, whether it's through a data escrow, whether it's through allowing an advertiser to layer on their own first-party data. Um, I saw a great tweet today saying, advertisers know publisher audiences better than publishers. And and I'll take a bite out of that apple right now. Um, But I also think that there's value in marrying Advertiser data to publisher data. It's always been hard for publishers to be creative and figure out what they actually own. We're a publisher. We publish content. We're really good at publishing content. But you need to be creative. So we have contextual data. Cool, low touch, not interesting. We have logged in data. Everybody has some aspect of that, maybe it doesn't scale. And then you have to be creative around the following two things. Think about how users are interacting with your site. We have uh, a great brand, Eater, which is restaurants, news, um, around the the food industry. And if you have somebody who's located geographically in San Francisco, and they're coming to Eater and searching for a heat map on on, uh, restaurants that are in New York City, you can bet they're about to travel. Go take that to your travel client. Go take it to your credit card client and then go say, we can get the right audience for them. Marry that to what they're trying to do already, somebody who's a Chase Sapphire user who's going to travel. That's somebody that a marketer actually wants to see. Um, And then the last piece that I think I've talked to maybe two or three companies that are actually doing data on a creative level, figuring out which creatives actually matter to which people. We're sitting in a world right now where 300 by 250s and 728 by 90s rule the programmatic world. It's boring, it's annoying, it's bullshit, I'm sick of it. And so they're not figuring out what audience wants to see what kind of of creative. We spun up something called creative intelligence where we spit out over 100 to 200 different creative variations. We figure out what call to action works. Um, We figure out what the user is trying to see. Maybe somebody who wants to watch videos is more inclined to watch a video ad. Nobody loves Outstream, it's a a great product, but maybe they want to find something that, we do a great job on branded content and distributing that through Concert and our Athena's through Eater and our House of Brands. Um, But the thing that I think that we haven't talked about enough as a programmatic people, I think we're all interested in it, and I think I've heard the same sort of talk over the past maybe two years, it hasn't advanced. It's gone from header bidding to server-side bidding to uh, cookie matching to more annoying things. And we haven't talked about things like making a creative that actually interacts with the audience. There's a couple companies that do it okay and well, and native is a new buzz term. Um, But nobody's really, and I would challenge everybody out here to go figure out a way to bring your creative intelligence and, and get people who are, interacting with your sites, understand them, use the data that you have around the way that they're interacting with advertising, um, and unleash that data to your marketers and say, here's what we should build for you. Um, and that requires a lot of work. You have to work with your data providers. You have to work with the tech platforms. Um, and so about a month ago, we took this concept that we've been doing on Box Media. We unleashed these Athenas. They're big, high-impact, high-fidelity ads. We unleashed them across uh, Concert, which is a publisher-led initiative. It's a marketplace with NBC, Box Media, uh, some other uh, high-profile premium publishers. And we've distributed these ads. And when you get a feedback from a client, the reason that I'm up here and talking about this is because I desperately believe that people care about getting an ROI. They're sitting there at their desk saying, hey, client, here's what I got for you. And when somebody emails you and they say, we got 12 times the click-through rate with this ad, that's, like, that's what makes it worth it. And like, also, we were able to transact it through our programmatic budget. And so you're marrying two goals of what these advertisers are looking for. And you're providing feedback to them. You're providing reporting. You're providing what is the next step in building your brand and what is the next uh, campaign that you want to do, whether it's AT&T and they want to say, we're unleashing a new phone for our carrier, whether it's any brand. You can figure out, how do we take the learnings from this campaign, apply it to the next? And that's all that programmatic advertising can and should be. I think there's still value in the PMPs. And I think there's value in programmatic guaranteed. And, and uh, we're going to keep doing that. And those are just the lower funnel, mid funnel conversations that you need to have. You need to have the conversation directly with the brand and figure out what they're actually trying to accomplish. And whether it's click-through rate, whether it's video completion, and build something. Um, and so I'm quite proud of what we've done in terms of the creative and uh, making it available for these programmatic budgets and and being able to execute it with automation. So um, I sort of blew through that. So uh, I'll open up to probably far too many questions, or if Ross wants to come on stage, uh, I'll open it up. Also, heckling is fine (laughs) if you want to do that.
3: Everyone else, uh, uh, did you, you, you were saying something about banners being a annoying kind of, you, did you say they're bullshit? Did
2: I hear that right? I do. Yeah. I get, okay. um, I'll get an email from anywhere from a user who goes to our sites, a passionate user, to our CEO saying, what the hell is this? And it's not, it's because the creative controls aren't in place. And yeah. frankly, it's not performant in a lot of cases. Um,
3: what do you tell them? You just say it's bullshit and then.
2: No, you're... the answer is, the answer is, this is the bet that we can do display advertising better. People are talking about branded content like it's the next silver bullet. There's going to be a place for display advertising. We just have to do it better than we've done it in the past. Get rid of the 728 by 90s. I think the 20 by 50 existed for a reason. Um, That's gone. The formats are important. And I think it's this not talked about thing that is this undercurrent to the way that we're doing a lot of display advertising that you can just bring into this programmatic world. It's not just a pure play efficiency remnant play.
3: And did you say users are, are emailing you?
2: Yeah, so we get, um, we spun up a group actually to, uh, to respond to user comments and, and complaints about bad ads. And, and we've taken the stance of the quality of the advertisement is more important than the revenue that it might bring in. Uh, and frankly, the bad ads that you see on your page if you're a publisher here, you know this all too well. You get the belly fat ads. you have probably taken steps to get rid of them. but. Um, they're, just not, they're not paying a high CPM, they're not performant, they're just bad creative. And so we took the creative in-house, we started talking about it to the market, and we were able to prove out performance, and so my bet on programmatic advertising is that you have to marry what you've done as a publisher really well for the past, which is building a brand for an advertiser, marry that to the automation channels, and unleash that to the market.
3: Okay, so but it's a user group that's contacting you, or, or is it just it's,
2: random? We have especially for uh, we, have a, we have a vertical, which is the verge, um, mm-hmm. one of my favorites. It's, it's all about technology and news and, and lifestyle and um, they're a very passionate user group. If they see an ad that they don't like, they're going to call you out on it.
3: They'll, but, but they'll find your email like in the masthead.
2: They'll find the email in the masthead, they'll send wow. something, and they'll say, "Hey, what is this?" <laughs> we, we, they know, and they're the people who are it's surprising they're either most likely to. Uh, Adblock, which is why ad blocking came, because creative sucks in programmatic advertising. Publishers need the revenue. Um, they're also the most likely to whitelist a site. They'll send us a note saying, we love your content, we want to support it. Um, and so we want people to feel comfortable with the ads that they're being served, that it feels both contextually relevant and feels like the site. It feels maybe not native is the right word. I sort of hate that word um, mm-hmm. at the time for what it's become, because it's very... Uh, nebulous right now. Um, but the the feeling of being able to interact with the content, but also see an ad and supporting the site feels good to these folks. That um, And you can see it both on the performance of the ad, because they're being delivered an ad that they would be likely to interact with.
3: It makes more sense now when you say The Verge. When you first said it, I, I was under this impression like... You have a guy at work and he's like, I'm just trying to read this blog about Alex Gordon on you know, SB Nation and your ad is fucking up my day and sure. you, you're terrible because you're serving it. But it's not like that.
2: I mean, we get that too. I oh, think you get that too. We get, you know, even from sports people who, they don't care, they're inundated with ads. You go to mm-hmm. any soccer game and there's ads all over the I just the like that someone's thing. putting
3: in that effort.
2: Somebody but, puts in the effort because yeah. they genuinely care. And We've heard it. We've heard it, and the, there's always been a response to solve that stuff with more technology, and I think the answer is not around technology. We don't need anti-ad blocking technology. We need a better creative, and so that's the bet that we're making. We're feeling good about the results so far, and, and we'll see how that shakes out, but that's the answer in my mind, for okay. sure.
3: Well, and you said Concert is like a sister company? Yeah. Because your, your organizational structure is slightly confusing to me. You just break down, like, Yep. How that actually works.
2: For so we actually have a discrete group of folks who are both going and selling Concert. Concert is a partnership between uh, Vox Media and NBC. We founded it about a year ago. It's, uh, the goal is to take these high fidelity advertisements and display them across 99% of the millennials across all of the United States, make them performant, make the pages feel better. And so we have a group that is solely focused on Concert. And so their goal is to not necessarily sell Vox Media, but to sell the portfolio of brands and the, and the partners that we have uh, in this important for a lot of programmatic advertisers to reach at scale their audience. And so when we unleash that, uh, mm-hmm. the, the response has been quite good because audience is important to these advertisers, creative is important to these advertisers. Um, and so it's important also to separate and delineate the Vox Media versus the concert initiative.
3: And where does Hymnal? In that. And can you explain
2: what hymnal is? <laughs> I can. Uh, hymnal is no longer a uh, market-facing term, but uh, oh, I'm so glad that I'm you a, know am it. Am I using an outdated term? You are. Uh, no. it's, it's, it's simply the, so we built, we built Chorus, which is our uh, CMS. We built it from the ground up. It's what made Vox attractive. It's what brought editors over. Something about over. music names there. Hymnal. Hymnal, Vox. Chorus. Vox means the voice of the people. Chord uh, is going to be next. Yeah. We, Anyways. Maybe. Um, Very possibly. Uh, And so hymnal was essentially built into our CMS. It enables us to build ads, serve them the same way, so it feels just in line with the content. Um, Hymnal is simply a latch onto our CMS. right? And so everything's built into the way that we're doing um, content. And so the Athena can be uh, a content distribution vehicle, whether we've got a great branded content that we feel great about uh, distributing it across all of our sites. If we do something amazing, we did, we did something cool for Eater, which was a steakhouse that we wanted to distribute. Um, we feel good about latching MS using Hymnal, which is the ad builder, which talks to Chorus, uh, and distributing that across everything.
3: OK. Does, do, does anyone in, in the audience um, have, have some questions for Dave uh, over here? First of all, I'm glad that we're not the only publisher that gets emails from users saying <laughs> the ads suck. We get them all the time. Um, so I was really interested when you said that, that uh, you took the creative in-house. Um, are you saying that literally? Like, like what? Explain what you mean by that, because um, I would love to be able to get rid of all the bad, bad ads, and I'd, I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on
2: yeah, so we have a design team. We've always had a design team, whether they're front-end design, back-end design. Uh, we've been creating these ads for the better part of five years now. Um, and so we, we take the design, we work with the clients to understand what their goals are, whether the KPI is a click-through rate or a video view. We design the ad, we get it approved. Um, the next goal will be to make that pro- process even more frictionless. Uh, so we build the ads, we distribute it back to the advertiser, and then they're free to run it on Vox Media properties. Um, the goal is to get, you know, every time you load a page, there's real estate on the, on the display. Um, the goal is to think f- that is performant for the advertiser. So to directly answer your question, we build every single one of these in-house. We've templatized them with hymnal, um, which is probably a more succinct way of answering your question. But we build them, we've got them templatized out, and we have our sellers going out and talking to brands and saying, if you want this KPI, here's what we would suggest. And we'll take creative feedback. Um, but we've been doing it and we've been collecting data on them and iterating on these creatives for quite a while. Yeah.
1: So we've got this Chrome browser thing coming up in January and it looked like, especially that mobile ad unit, um, was covering more than 30% of the screen, which I think is not better ads.org compliant. Have you guys, what are you, what are you doing about that? Because I, I, first off, I applaud you. I think it's great what you're doing. Creative is really important.
2: Yeah. Um, we are compliant. And so we've worked with Google. Um, They're on board. I think they've they've actually helped build products that enable us to sell these programmatically. Um, We're not doing anything outside the ordinary in that sense. Um, The way that it works is you scroll past it. Uh, It feels good on mobile until we receive any user feedback. We do user groups. We worked with Google to do these things. Um, We got them passed by all their specs and, and feel good about it until we hear otherwise. We'll obviously keep it as I mentioned is to get out of the 300 by 250 space and figure out something more creative. Uh, And we're going to keep iterating on what that looks like.
3: Anyone else? I have one last question then for for you. Uh, Why do you think um, the industry's been so slow to embrace creative within programmatic?
2: Because I think we spend all of our time here talking about technology, and I think we keep solving tech with more tech instead of going back to what marketers have been trying to do. I mean, I think some of the best creative campaigns have been even outside of digital. Uh, and, and digital provides a great canvas for that. And we're stuck talking about technology. I'm in technology. I talk about it all day, every day. Um, and I believe in it. But it should be at the background. And I think we should get back to, as, as marketers and publishers, getting the best ROI for these brands uh, is through a creative process and understanding how they want us. To Tell the story, uh, as opposed to what technology they want to use to get there. So that's what. Sounds I good. Think, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dave.
0: Awesome. That's it for this episode. If you like the show, please subscribe. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And while you're there, please rate us and leave us a review. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode.